ugly love becomes you, consumes you, makes you hate it all, makes you realize that all the beautiful parts aren't even worth it. Without the beautiful, you'll never risk feeling the ugly. So you give it all up. You never want love again, no matter what kind it is, because no type of love will ever be worth living through the ugly love again. If you like that, then there's much more for you to love about this week's book. The Umbra Cellophone. Why you don't be dead? Amber Speed. Sound production, take one. <sighs> My bibliophiles. I hope you all are doing amazing. I know it's been a while since I've gotten on here with a book review, but don't think that means I haven't been reading because I have. I've also been very neglectful of my bookstagram. If you do follow me on there, you would know. Um, but it really does. I feel like having like reading is fun, right? But there are certain ways that you can turn it into a chore. And uh, if I'm being completely honest, I think my bookstagram at some point started to become a chore more than anything. Um, it, you know, if I prioritize my bookstagram over my reading, then I wasn't reading as much and I it was hard to make time for reading and vice versa. And so um, I've really just been trying to figure out how to create a balanced schedule where I'm prioritizing everything um all at all at once in a healthy way <laughs> um but anyways that is my long drawn out introduction for this episode uh i'm so happy that you're tuning in this week and if you do follow the instagram then you would know that this week's episode is another colleen hoover book now this is my second colleen hoover that i've read and i think that Starting off reading Verity before any of her other books might have been a mistake because, and of course, this is only my second book that I've read by her, um, you know, since Verity, but I, I just feel like Verity is still her strongest book and I'll definitely get more into why I say that, but I read Ugly Love about a month ago, month and a half ago. And I finished it very quickly, really, but in terms of how drawn into the book that I was, eh, mm, could be stronger. Um, and so I originally did give this book a four stars out of five on Goodreads, but I recently changed it to three. I tend to rate books, like, so on Letterboxd, when I rate movies, um, you can do like half stars. So you can do three and a half, four and a half. But on Goodreads, you only do full stars. And so I, if I want to rate a book of three and a half stars, I'll rate it a four. Like I'll just give it the extra half. Just, I don't know, because it's easier. But after some time, I realized that maybe four wasn't, wasn't solid. So I changed it back to a three. There are things that I liked about this book but the things that I didn't like just kind of overpowered those likes a little bit more um, because I really do enjoy Colleen Hoover's style of writing. I like the way that she structures her books and um, she is very intentional with the way that she chooses to structure everything but in the end what are you reading the book for? 
the structure and the, you know, like the style of it? Or are you reading it for the plot and the narrative? So that's that's really what kind of swayed me in the way that that I took my rating. But I definitely don't want to give any spoilers. So in the case that you haven't read it um, or you don't want it spoiled or whatever the case may be, I would definitely stop the recording now. But if you're if you're a tough soldier and you want to stick it through because you support me, you support the the movement, um, keep on listening. And yeah, I promise there's honestly not even that much to be spoiled. Uh, because I think that this story is so like you can read it in so many other books quite honestly um so that being said i'll go ahead get into the synopsis ugly love follows tate collins um after she meets airline pilot miles archer and they definitely have a rocky relationship starting off the first time she meets him is when she's moving into her brother's apartment in san francisco i believe and he's drunk outside of the door at the time though she doesn't know that that's the person her brother like has guided her to to help her bring in all her stuff so she's just like there's this guy outside your apartment and he's drunk and her brother's like um yeah that's probably miles the guy i told you you know to to ask for help and so uh, you know she helps she like drags him inside helps him get onto the couch and like kind of nurses him or whatever but from that point on they wouldn't even dare to consider themselves friends the only thing that they find that they have in common is an undeniable mutual attraction um you know miles miles feels her she feels him they both notice it um and once their desires are out in the open they realize that they have the perfect setup because miles is emotionally unavailable and so he doesn't want to open up he doesn't want to talk about his past and his trauma And she doesn't have the time for a relationship because she's starting work and everything like that. And so that really just leaves a physical relationship. Their arrangement could be surprisingly seamless, um, but that's only if Tate agrees and follows Miles' rules that he has set up, which are never ask about the past and don't expect a future. And honestly, that's a really, really tough way to put it but you know short sweet simple i guess they both of them think that they can handle it but realize almost immediately that that's not true they can't handle it at all and so as the synopsis the official synopsis says hearts get infiltrated promises get broken rules get shattered love gets ugly (laughs) i i think i chose this book to be my next one after reading verity because of the way that people talked about it, it seemed like I would relate to the storyline a lot. And um, it seemed the most realistic. I think there's another book of hers that talks about like a, a divorcee who a new neighbor moves in and something like that. And I want like I was looking for a new Colleen Hoover book to read um, and to give a try. And so I picked that one up at the library. But I was like, this I don't this just doesn't feel like me. So I put it back. Um, but this book seemed to be something that I could relate to on certain aspects. And so I picked it up 
And, you know, that's one of the things that I did like about it. I like how it positions and um, portrays the realistic woes of a modern day relationship or romantic situation. Um, Because, and if you're a woman in the dating sphere um, in 2022, you'll know that it's, it can be very difficult to find someone who is not weighed down by something that happened in their past that's that's cutting them off from emotional connection right in this book the traumatic situation or the the past situation that uh, miles experienced it it isn't just like i got my heart broken by a girl before and now i can never trust another one as you know most men these days um it's not like that at all and and you think that's exactly what it is because the way that Colleen Hoover structures the narrative um, is that she creates parallels using Tate's narrative and Miles' narrative. So, you know, we open up the... I, I don't know if the first chapter is with Miles or, or Tate, but, um, you know, you get Tate's perspective in one chapter, you turn to the next chapter, then it's Miles. But in Miles' chapters... It's Miles in high school after he meets this girl, Rachel. And um, as the story progresses, we see how their relationship is getting more and more serious. And, um, you know, like Miles is falling head over heels for Rachel. So is Rachel. The crazy thing about it, though, is that um, like the way that Colleen Hoover sets it up is uh, Miles's dad ends up marrying Rachel's mom but this is after Miles and Rachel had already met and like established their crush for each other and so then they become stepbrother and sister but they still continue their relationship without their parents knowing um and the only way that their parents find out is when Rachel comes clean about her getting pregnant and this is like after they graduated high school so, like, incestuous turn, okay, cool, um, but back to the original plot of my statement, um, so we see this relationship between Miles and Rachel progress through Miles's narrative in his chapters, and then through Tate's narrative, we see this relationship between her and Miles slowly flip-flop between progression and degression. We think that something's going to happen between Miles and Rachel simply just because, like, that's to be expected. He wouldn't have been, you know, because in Tate's chapters, he's crying about Rachel and he's, he, you know, Rachel keeps coming up, but whenever she asks him about um, who this Rachel is, he doesn't answer and he gets really silent and whatever. So you just think, oh, you know, she just, he, maybe he cheated on her and then she broke up with him or she broke his heart somehow or whatever the case was. And so eventually it leads to, once she, once she actually does get pregnant, that was a turn, you know, um, not, not everyone loves, loves the pregnancy trope, uh, me being one of them. Um, but once Rachel gets pregnant, then and when this was happening I was like is she really like are they really gonna go through with this this just doesn't feel real (laughs) y'all just graduated high school but they do and um 
even up to the moment that she gives birth and everything. And we find out that the reason that Miles is so closed off and so traumatized is because um, he gets into a car crash and his child dies and Rachel is hospitalized. And even once she recovers, their relationship never recovers. And so he's taken on the blame from this past relation or like from he's taken on the blame from this situation, thinks it's completely his fault. And he thinks that Rachel blames him. And, you know, if it weren't for him, then their child would be alive and all these other things. And um, so, like, I, I really enjoyed how it didn't stop at, you know, she got pregnant and I didn't want her to keep it or she got pregnant and it caused us to fight and we broke up anything like that right um however I I, of course I just don't like when teenagers get pregnant in stories because that trope has just been done um and I feel like it's a very easy way out but that's that's for me to you I was talking about the structure a little bit just there, but I want to go more in depth about it um, because I remember that was that's one of my favorite parts about this book specifically is just how creative and methodical Colleen Hoover was um, in telling these two stories simultaneously. Um, and so in Verity, and you know, like I've said before, that's the only other Colleen Hoover book that I've read, but in Verity, you also have those contrasting, um, narratives where there's a little bit of parallel being, being drawn between the two. And so in this book, it's no different. And in doing so with these narratives and chapters, we see how Miles and Tate are very similar while their progressing relationship says otherwise, you know, like they, they don't like each other. They can't see anything in common. They, um, you know, whatever the case was, but there comes a certain point in the book where there are similarities in styles, um, when it comes to the, um, expositions of Tate and Miles. For Miles, once he meets Rachel, certain parts of his exposition become italicized and they're suddenly in like stanzas so it's very poetic right and it's and it's when he's describing her and how she makes him feel and how he sees a future with her and all this other stuff and a very interesting way to create that imagery which I you know I liked that alone but there was a certain part in the story where suddenly those same italics and stanzas and some even some of the same phrases that Miles used on Rachel, they had started to flow into Tate's narrative and chapters. And so it is it was in that way that now we see these parallels like even stronger than before. And we see that Tate's developing the same feelings for Miles that Miles had for Rachel. And so I really liked how it wasn't anything that while yes you were inferring it all like it was on the page visual for you too um and I'd never really seen that done before so I liked that of course in my Goodreads review I said it could have been done from somebody but 
it, it, it didn't make it any less like creative to me. And, you know, overall, this story does pose questions of how we allow traumatic and hurtful experiences to change us as people. I liked that point because there was a quote, um, and I don't remember at what part of the story that it was, um, but it says, I know the thought of confronting your past terrifies you. It terrifies every man. But sometimes we don't do it to ourselves. We do it for the people we love more than ourselves. And I mean, even while that quote is applicable to what I'm trying to say, I want to look at it on a more broader scale and more like internally. I so with the character of Miles, um, I think he was a multidimensional character in, you know, in the case that obviously he had deeper trauma. And by the end of the movie, not movie. At the end of the story, um, he was willing to confront those those traumas uh, with Tate and then kind of like hit the redo button on everything. And so that, you know, that's kind of where it says like we do it for the people we love more than ourselves. Had Miles not visited Rachel and he was he was stressed, he was stressed to do it, but had he not visited Rachel, he wouldn't have been able to, um, you know, overcome those traumas. And I think Rachel was kind of a symbol in a way for trauma in general, and like past in general, because he hadn't seen her in six years. And so when he revisits um, the situation with her, first of all, she has a kid now, you know, um, she has a husband and so you know like he sees okay she's she's been able to move on and here I am still stuck in the past and they have this sit down conversation and she's like you know I don't blame you for any of that like whatever the case was I don't remember exactly what her words were um but that's along the lines of what the situation was it actually reminded me I recently watched an episode of Good Trouble um on Hulu and one of the characters his son died and so ever since his son died his wife and him have not been on good terms and you know they've long since gotten a divorce but he saw her in the hospital after she just gave birth to a new baby with her new husband and it just kind of like sent him back and he reverted back to you know like just that really negative space that he was in when he was still trying to overcome the death of his son and in that he learned like she's been able to move on and I'm still I'm still here I'm still in this place I'm still chasing something that I mean like I'm I'm still trying to chase happiness and she's she's there she is happy a part of Miles is kind of like it it kind of poses the question that are you afraid to feel happiness because you're guilty? Are you do you think that you'll feel guilty if you're happy because of what happened in the past? You know? And I think that's something we all struggle with. Um I think that not even not even if you feel guilty, but feeling happy um in one moment now but you know even like two months ago and you were depressed and now you're happy and you think like so was I just faking it 
was that any you start to doubt yourself and you doubt everything around you and it can really it, it can be a really mind-bending thought pattern I guess is what I'm trying to say and so to see and th- this is why this is why I don't like happy like the the conventional happy endings and uh, like I get for the the plot of this book I get why um Miles and Tate had a daughter I think I think it was a daughter or maybe it was a son I don't remember um but it was a child regardless I get why it wrapped up that way because you know the symbolism of like you know he's giving life another chance and life is giving him everything that he deserves now that he is allowing it to pretty much but I just really I love when books take the turn of don't do this for them do this for yourself and I question whether Miles chose to confront his past um for himself or for Tate or both maybe he did it for both but I know that it was mostly motivated by his love for Tate and that there's a strong message in that too but we see it done all the time and so now in this kind of like societal movement of self-love self-care put yourself first those kind of things I really would like to see the narrative shift to be more like you like you don't have to care for yourself because someone else is pushing you to you should push yourself to care for yourself you know what I'm saying that brings me on to my dis my dislikes for this book um I did think that there were a lot of cliches and there were very cringy um like the dialogue was pretty cringy and just one example of that was I don't know. I think it was Tate who said, you're looking at me like you fell in love with me. And then Miles was like, I didn't fall in love with you. I flew because he's a pilot. And I gagged. I bent over. I was coughing. I was puking because you couldn't come up with anything better than that. But I know them TikTok girls were eating it up. Y'all were eating it up with a big old spoon, weren't you? Yeah. But... Like, between the dialogue and the narrative, it all just read like something that I would have consumed on Wattpad at 14 years old. Like, down to the tragedy that there was. Um, Because, listen, I consumed a lot of fan fiction between the ages of 12 and 15. A lot. Like, I didn't read books for those entire... Like, for those years of my life because I was just so consumed by Wattpad and so I probably I definitely read a story similar to this one but instead of Miles it was like mm, Niall Horan maybe and it just I don't know there's that that's why I said in the beginning of this episode that I questioned whether starting Colleen Hoover books with Verity was a poor decision because now I read like I I read Ugly Love and I'm like mm, it just feels familiar. I have how it ends with us, um, 
and I'm hoping to start that one soon. So then I'll that would be my third book and I can really sit here and say, you know, okay, this is this is what it is, this is what it's not. But I don't know, y'all. And I just know I've seen Ugly Love on like my TikTok feed forever and and I see all these quotes and everything. But it's just not it's not hitting me the way that that TikTok is making it out to be. Um and like I said, these are only two, one to two things that I didn't like, but creativity is a very important thing for me. And while I've already talked about the structure and the style of Colleen Hoover's writing and, and this book specifically, I obviously didn't read the book for those things. And so for your narrative and your plot to feel so familiar to me, um down to the dialogue like the dialogue just sounded like how a 45 year old envisions 20 year olds to talk now and it just it was mm, and I get it like dialogue dialogue can be a little hard to achieve as a writer myself like dialogue is not easy to make authentic but you can definitely tell when someone is trying to force the age of a character through their dialogue. And that's what it felt like to me. Now, I'm a big quotes person, you know. And I was actually supposed to read these like probably 20 minutes ago when I was talking about, you know, the realistic woes of a modern day couple and everything like that. But I just got so caught up in everything else that I forgot about it. So I want to read them now because I still think that they're very important. And so the first one that I will start with is, uh, I, and of course, I don't know what page this is on. I rented this book as an ebook from the library and the way that that system works is ridiculous like I finished it and I made all my notes and stuff in it and when I gave it back my notes were gone with it so it's like I did all that for what the first one I'm starting with is that's how it is when a person develops an attraction towards someone he's nowhere and then suddenly he's everywhere whether you want him to be or not And I remember reading that this was definitely a quote that I highlighted because this is one of those parts where I definitely related to so much um, because having such a strong attraction to someone, especially if you, you know, if they show up in your life more frequently, um, more, more just in terms of you start hanging out with them more or, you know, like you say you work with them or you go to school with them or something like that right and uh, it's like okay you know we're hanging out we're hanging out you go home and that's when it cuts off but then once you start growing an attraction for someone then you start to see them in everything um you'll see something on instagram and you'll think "Hmm, i wonder if you know i wonder if this person likes this thing too um you'll hear a song and you're like oh my gosh this person would love this song and it's just like it's really weird how your brain seems to rewire itself around this person that you suddenly have have found you know like new feelings for another quote is 
I'm terrified to lose him for good, so I sell myself short and take what I can from him, even though I know I deserve better. Whoa! Oh my god, that one, that one hit me when I read it. Like, because this can be translated in so, into so many different situations. Um, <clears throat> of course, Tate was talking about how, you know, their relationship was really only based off of one thing. Of course, she wasn't happy about it. But it's just the way that women allow men to treat them negatively and poorly just because they would much rather them to be in their lives than not at all. And this, I mean, this can really go, this can translate even into friends. Like, we have friends who we would much rather tolerate poor behavior from than to lose them for good. And it's so... It's such a conflicting concept to think about um, because for people who, you know, have so much love to give and cherish like long-term friendships, right? Long-term connections. I love human connection. I, I love just being able to get to know new people and um, seeing the way that they can make an imprint onto my life and my everyday routine and but I also I I enjoy longevity as well and so there's been so many times where I have put up with poor behavior or I've allowed, I've put myself in positions where I have felt um negatively at the expense of keeping a friend or, you know, just keeping a person in my life. And it's, you know, it's a loss of self-respect on yourself, you know? Like, to be quite honest, people owe you basic human decency, right? And it's, it's basic human decency to treat you kindly. But people um, do not owe you selflessness, and a lot of people are self selfish. And that's where I think like when people say people don't owe you anything, so you gotta watch out for yourself and whatever, whatever. Oh my gosh, it's such a toxic mindset. And I even get caught up in it too, because like I wanna look out for myself, but then again, like I care for people so largely and so deeply that I, I can't fully do that. Um and so we even see like Tate struggle with this in this story and you know there's times where she's like no I really have to cut it off for good like I can't keep doing this to myself um and she she has pretty much that same conversation with herself in terms of I need to start respecting myself this is obviously not what I want and I need to honor that and it's around that time that Miles does what he needs to do in terms of know confronting his past because he realizes that he's about to let a good thing go because of those you know past blockages and um and that that's why I say that I don't like like I sometimes I want unhappy endings because I think that if the story had just ended with Tate simply you know, honoring herself and her respect by leaving Miles, it still would have made for a powerful ending. And I would, I I mean, I might have even liked the story a little bit better had it ended that way. 
but maybe I just don't like to see people happy. <laughs> um, but anyways, that's all that I really have to say on the matter. I I hope that my experience with my third Colleen Hoover book is better than this one. Um, I've heard some things about it, good and bad. Um, but, but Colleen Hoover fans are very much like ride or die. And that's the thing. Like they, I was reading some other reviews for this book specifically, and they were like, you know, I love this book because this is this. And of course it's a Colleen Hoover book. I love every book. And it's like, I just feel like there has to be something that you don't like. But, you know, I got to give her props because she got fan loyalty. And that's something that I can respect. The next book that I'll be reviewing is Delirium by Lauren Oliver. Um, And that will be in two weeks from now. And of course, if you follow my Instagram, then you'll get all the updates. You'll know when to look out for that episode. If you don't follow my Instagram why why not you can catch me on instagram at the unbound cinefem pod catch me on twitter at the unbound cinefem and catch me on goodreads at avery c-o-f thank you so much for tuning in this episode and i will catch you next time